service and our brothers back there, Joseph, Caleb, Abel, Court, if we could give them a hand and everybody else, our ushers and just everybody who's working in the front, along the sides, in the back, just everywhere, just making this time of ours possible. God is good. God is good. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. Y'all don't know that tradition. He is risen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you, hallelujah. I know that voice without even looking. He is risen indeed. John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, please. John chapter 12. We'll pick up right there at verse 24. John chapter 12. It's good to see you all here. Y'all look good. I hope you like how I'm dressed. I did this for you, so uh, enjoy it for these next few minutes. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 24. Jesus is speaking there, John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, and what? And dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Father, would you bless this time in your word? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would illuminate our hearts. Cause us to be able to, like the psalmist put it in the Psalms, behold wondrous things from your law. God, we're thankful to you for your word. And now speak to each and every one of our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is lived much of the time in paradox. Not contradictions, but in paradoxes. You, you'll realize and you'll discover, if you haven't already, much of your life is explained in paradoxes. I'll get to what paradox means in a second. Not contradictions. A lot of times what hangs up a lot of people on their spiritual journey is they mistake paradoxes for contradictions. And that's a big mistake. It'll cost you big time. Maybe some of us are here today who have our own testimony or two where that's exactly where we were at one point in time. And it wasn't until God in his grace and in his kindness set us straight like a, like a joint put out that had to be put back in. It's no small thing to confuse paradoxes from contradictions. The Bible is full of paradoxes. There are a lot of people who want to call them contradictions, but it's not true. You know, the difference between a paradox and a contradiction is this. Contradictions are two ideas that could never be reconciled at all, ever. A paradox, on the other hand, may appear on the surface to be irreconcilable. But with a little bit of time, you come to find out, oh, it does work, doesn't it? 
That's, that's how life does function, doesn't it? In fact, a lot of times you'll see that in the scriptures. How can the Bible be both human and divine in origin? How can God be sovereign and man have a human free will? How can Jesus be both God and man? How could we believe in one God and yet there are three distinct persons? How can Jesus come the way he did and experience an agonizing, horrendous, deplorable suffering and death and yet somehow or another it results in our good? How can what appears to look on the surface as unable to be reconciled actually work? Not only is this true about God's word or about God's world or about God himself, the nature of God, it's also true about our relationship with God and how far God can get or won't be able to get based on how you understand paradoxes and contradictions. Jesus, here in this particular scene in our gospel account, is addressing an issue in relationship to us. And he opens up at this point by using a term that is not the first time that he's used it. Those of you familiar with your gospel will notice that Jesus often employs this, this phrase, truly, truly, or some of our older versions say, verily, verily, I say unto you. And you're almost wondering to think, wait, as though everything else you said leading up to this is not true? No. It's all true. So then, why are you going to emphasize this as true over against all the other times you didn't say truly, truly? You see, when Jesus uses this term truly, truly, what that tells us is whatever he's about to say, it must be good. It must be important. I, I, I better pay attention. I better lean into this because he didn't just say that with what he just said before. He said that with what he's about to say right now. So what does he say? He says here in verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, this is not my words to you or our words. This is Jesus' words, the risen Jesus' words to each and every one of us, Pathway. You ready? Truly, truly, Pathway, I say to you, unless he's going to get agricultural on us for a second here. He's going to get a little agrarian on us here. Unless a grain of what? Wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. That acorn, that seed, unless it hits that ground and gets buried, it's going to be all by itself, like the song, All By Myself. It's going to be all by itself. It remains alone. But he's not done. He moves on. But, but if it dies, that grain of wheat, if it dies, if it hits the ground, if it sees its end, if it, seeds, if it sees its death, all right, I put that in quotes figuratively. If it sees its death, a lot of times we think what God is requiring out of some of us, like, I hope he didn't just say that. No, he didn't. Is that really the condition in order to be a Christian? Is that really what I need to do? A lot of us think that's the end of it. Jesus puts that sort of death in quotations because with him, whatever death may look like is not the end of the story. He says, but if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. In other words, that grain of wheat, that's not the end of it. That's not the end of its life. The beginning of the Christian life is the end of my life. You see, that grain of wheat, church, is me and you. That grain of wheat is every person that Jesus loves and whose life he wants to come into and do something with. That grain of wheat is you and me before Jesus gets a shot at us. Before Jesus ever gets a chance to do anything with your life, you and I are like that grain of wheat above the ground. It doesn't matter whether we're single, it doesn't matter whether we're married and wanting to see our marriage go somewhere, or whether we're married with kids and wanting to see our kids and our parenting go somewhere, or whether we got dreams and ambitions and purposes and drives that we would really love to see brought to fruition. None of that is going to be able to take place until a death of sorts first takes place. A lot of times we have no problem coming to Jesus or wanting to do with Jesus or wanting a relationship with Jesus insofar as it doesn't cost me. It's like, no, 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 I want to get some of the word in me. I'll join a Bible study. Just don't require anything of me. I'll come to church. I just better not change. I'll, I'll get baptized. I'll get forward. I'll get a little God in me. Okay, I'll call myself a Christian, but I'm not changing. You see, that's, that doesn't make sense to the scriptures. Jesus says, look, in order for me to know anything of what life looks like on this side, I've got to first put an end to what this life looks like on this side. And a lot of times we think, If I give this up, I'm losing out. But Jesus says, look, what does it profit a man, even if he were to amass, gain the whole world, and yet lose his own soul? Rhetorical question, nothing, nothing. And Jesus says here, this is critical. In order for you to experience a full life that his resurrected life offers you, you and I have got to first come to an end of ourselves before we could begin with Jesus. Jacob had to, like the grain of wheat, fall to the ground at his encounter with the angel and see his death before he ever saw God do anything with his life as Israel. Adam and Eve had to see their death to all of their attempts to provide themselves their own righteousness, self-righteousness through their own inadequate fig leaves to be able to present themselves to God, they have to come to a death of sorts before God could begin to work in their life. Peter was a man who thought that he can do for God as himself, but even Peter himself was told, Peter, unless, until and unless the cock crows, you're going to have denied me. How many times? Three times. Peter, I love what you're telling me. I love how you're the first one to raise your hand and give all the answers to the Bible trivia. I appreciate how you, you sit in the front. I appreciate how you're the first one to, to make a request and say, if, any, if you need me, even if it means death, Lord, I don't know about these guys, but you could count. I love all of that, but you haven't died yet. Isn't it amazing how much you could do for God before you die? God looked at Jacob and says, his hip isn't out of joint. There's too much strength within himself. He's too strong in himself. He's not strong in me. 
It's amazing how far you can go, even in ministry. I've seen it. It's scary. On talent and on charisma and on the gift of gab before God could ever step in and do what only God can do. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anybody's going to join my team, Jesus says, Jesus says, look, I'm forming my team. I'm forming those group of guys who are going to be taking this gospel out to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want to make sure the people I'm sending out are dead. I don't want anything kicking. And he says, look, truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Two couples interested in each other always come to me, as is my custom to do premarital counseling. What I'm basically doing when I sit down with them, even though I'm going through communication and finances and sexual purity and, and, and all these sort of different subjects that you touch on, I'm trying to find out, have y'all died yet? <laughs> because if you haven't, that marriage is going to expose whether you're still kicking. <laughs> What am I looking at here in my office with the, between this man and the woman? Am I seeing two grains of wheat above the ground saying, Pastor, we would like to get married? Or am I seeing two grains of wheat that have already died as single individuals? Now they found each other, and now they want to go forward having died. Why? What did Jesus say? But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You wonder why many marriages, even among Christian culture and churches, are not bearing fruit? We haven't died yet. A lot of times when we see our younger generation and we're seeing the different ways in which lives can be spiraling, spiraling out of control. It's like, what do we do with this generation? What do we do with these kids? How can we? Death has got to first take place. Before God could ever set foot in and do anything with my life, I've got to first die. What does it mean by die? It means that God has a whole set of purposes for my life that he wants to make sure that my life is about. The problem is, before he's in the picture, I had plenty of time to come up with my own set of purposes and plans. And once I encounter God, what ends up happening? They're clashing. I've got my values, he's got his. I've got my ambitions, he's got his. I've got what I want to do with my life, and God has got his. And God's like, something's got to give. Otherwise, it's going to be like, and I'm not losing, God is saying. You remember, Jacob tried it. He's like, this guy, this guy's not giving up. Those of you know who know the Jacob story. Until the breaking of the day, the Bible says, he arm wrestled him, if you will. Until what? He tapped out. And that's what the spiritual life is for. You see, God's not doing it to crush you. You see, that's the enemy's voice, isn't it? Ain't nothing changed. All we have to do is go back to Genesis 3, and we could go all throughout the Bible storyline. And he's playing. The, he's, he's a quarterback with one play. And you would think after the second or third play, hike, it's like he's not doing anything new. It's the same person who's getting the ball. You would think everybody would be over there. But we still keep falling. It's not like he, got, he, he has several plays under his hand. He's got the same play he's reading on his forearm, and he brings it. He's brought it since Adam. He brought it to Peter. He's bringing it to us. He brought it to Jesus, but he failed. And what is that? Don't do it. Don't give your life. Don't be that grain of wheat. 
You don't want to do that. You do that, that's going to be the end of your life. You do that, you're not going to see any sort of future. You do that, it's not going to be good. It's going to be all bad. That's a lie. That's a lie. Why? Because we have every reason to believe that if God is the one calling us to be that grain of wheat that falls to the ground, whatever his good is, it's my good. Whatever his blessing is, it's my blessing. Whatever it is that he has in store for me, that's the battle in our faith. I'm at the place in my life, and guess what? You may have had to fight this at the beginning of your Christian life, but the entire Christian life is about this. Is God good? Is God good? Is he good enough to be trusted? I had to trust him upon becoming a Christian, whether or not he was good, and I have to continue to be faced with that same question all over again. Is he worth it, or is what I want worth it? And that's the question of the grain of, the grain of wheat that wants to stay above the ground. is like, uh-uh. I hear what he's about, but it's not worth it. I kind of like my plans. I like my ideas better. Sometimes we treat God like 99 designs. Y'all know 99 designs? Logo designs? Where you, you pay a certain amount of money, and you got a bunch of graphic designers all over the world who jump in on it based on how much you paid. And they all get to work on your design and come up with it and post it. And you get to rate it. And, and you get to give them ideas of uh, change this, get rid of this, do this. No, nah, that isn't good. Or you could decline it. And until you come down to the winner, and that's the one you pick. And we treat God like one graphic designer among 100 graphic designers. Like, uh, no, come back with another version for my life. Nope, I don't like that. Uh, no, if you get rid of this, if you add this, if you allow me to do this, then I will. Nope, declined. I don't like you. You're decontested. But God is God. <laughs> My life should be in his hands. I shouldn't be the one calling the shots. He should be the one. That's the grain of wheat, isn't it? You see, until and unless I am convinced for myself that God can do far better with my life in his hands after death than I could in my hands without death, I'll never trust him. I'll never trust him. I'm like, I like what I do with my life. I actually like it in my hands. I'm scared of what will happen if I put it in your hands. That's what we're saying to God, even if that doesn't come out of our lips. I'd rather stay above ground. A lot of us are above ground. If there's an above ground Christian, I'm that one, is what we'll say. I don't like that below the ground Christian, because I'm not too sure I'm ever going to come up out of the ground, even though God said you will. But if he dies, he's going to bear how much fruit? Much fruit. Not just a little fruit. Not the kind of fruit that you got to squint your eyes to be able to see. Is that something? No. He says much fruit. In other words, you are going to make far more of an impact in life and with your life, with your life in his hands, than you ever could with your life in your own hands. That's what he's saying here. Truly, truly, I'm saying that to you. And Jesus says, look, this is what I want for your life. This is what I want for your life. And some of us maybe are even a story of, <laughs> yep, I'm that grain of wheat above ground. I've tried it. I bit it again and again. I've seen it. And, but I've also seen what God has done with my life as soon as I've allowed him to bury me. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't want my wife to be caught dead around Neb before Neb hit the ground. 
You don't want that man. I wouldn't want my kids around Neb before Neb hit the ground. I want my family to have the version of me, the wheat of grain of me, after I hit the ground and died. Why? Because that's the only one that's going to be of any good to her and is going to be of any good to her kids. It's going to be of any good to you, church. That should be the case with all of us. That should be the case with all of us, is we want to be that version of ourselves where Christ is ruling all. What did Paul say? I've been crucified with Christ, grain of wheat. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but who now lives in me? Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, my life is fruitful now. Paul's like, I never saw it. I never saw it coming. If you had asked me, I would have never come up with it. I'm looking at my life right now. Some of us have this same testimony. And we're like, people 20 years ago, 10 years ago, meet us today and are like, don't recognize you. Are you kidding me? You've changed to God's glory because he's good. I've changed because I've allowed him to take this life and bury it. You see, you've got to be done with your old self. Some of us are too infatuated with our previous selves that we never get a chance to see our new version of ourself. God wants a new version you. God wants you to see who you could be in and through him, not who you presently are without him. But what's got to happen? There's got to be a death. There's got to be a death. Death isn't always bad. Not when you got life on the other hand. Why would I say that? Because what this Sunday is all about. Yes, I'm talking about us. But let me talk about Jesus for a second here. You see, this grain of wheat, being me and you, could never be us if Jesus had not come and lived and suffered and died and rose again. You know why Jesus is saying, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Because he knew you and I would fail at that. God knew however much he expected of you, he knew he was going to fail to get it out of me and you. And so he sent his son. He sent his grain of wheat. He sent his seed, the seed of the woman, if you will, in Genesis 3.15, that was going to crush the head of the serpent. God sent his grain of wheat to the earth, cloaked him with human flesh in order to live a life perfectly in your place and in my place out of love for us. And he went forward in order to suffer and die and be buried as a grain of wheat. Why? So that he might not remain alone. He didn't want heaven without us. Isn't that what we sing? I know I'm off cue. (laughs) But you with me, right? He didn't want heaven without us. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And so what did he do? He said, look, if they love their life so much that they're prepared to hold it to themselves, the person who loves his life loses it, then I'll lose my life out of love for them. If they're so caught up with themselves and with their lives without me in it, then I'll give up my life even though it'll cost me my relationship with my father. If they're so tightly clung to the things that they think are going to do it, 
then I'll let go of everything that I got in heaven and all of the bliss and the communion of the Father and the Holy Spirit in order to endure whatever it is that I've got to endure so that I can have them because I don't want to be alone. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And so what did he do? He laid his life down. Friend, the Bible tells us that greater love hath no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. We sure weren't acting like friends at the time, were we? We were his enemies. And that's exactly what God says. God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. It's not because we were lovable that he did what he did. It's because God himself is love. What motivated him to do what he did was not found in us. It's found in him. And he accomplished it. He died, church. Jesus died. He came as the man, as the God-man in our place, as our substitute, and he bore in his body every bit of our sins, both past, present, and future, in his body on that tree in order to absorb the full wrath of God that was coming after us but fell upon him in order to take upon the punishment, not that his sins deserved, but our sins deserved, so that you and I might be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to our God. God's your God today because of what Jesus did. Jesus was your perfect substitute, friend. The good news of the gospel is everything that God failed to get out of you and me, he got out of his son. God was in Christ reconciling us, church, to himself. And he did it. Jesus said, it is finished. Tetelestai is the word. Tetelestai. It's finished. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. And he rose again triumphantly, having conquered sin, Satan, and death. He robbed the grave of its power. Death is dead, church. Death is dead. Why? Because Jesus conquered death through his death on that cross. This is the hope. This is the hope we have. This is why we're proud of our God. This is why we're open about our faith. This is why our lives are no longer in our hands, but in in his hands. Why? Because he's worthy. God's worthy. Amen? Give the Lord a praise. God's good. Jesus is worthy. He did it. Yes, in his humanity, everything within him was saying, no, 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 no. There's got to be another way. Father, if it's your will, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I'm so glad his prayer didn't end with let this pass from me. Otherwise, you and me wouldn't be here. He was honest with his God. He was honest with his father. But he said, you know what? If this is the only way to have them, if this is the only way to have them with me and for me not to be alone, if this is the only way I can bear much fruit as a grain of wheat, so be it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If your will is this grain of wheat falling and penetrating this ground and dying, so be it. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, Jesus said. And the Bible says he gave up the ghost. No man takes my life from me, Jesus said. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus is no wimp. He's no sucker. He's no coward. 
He wasn't somebody who was learning this on the fly and trying to figure out, no, no, no. He said, this is why I came. This is exactly why I came. This was the purpose for which my hour, he would say things. My hour, verse 23, has come. My hour has come to what? To be glorified. How so? Through my suffering, my death, my burial, and my resurrection. My hour has come to stop, to no longer be alone. I'm tired of being alone, Jesus said. I want my church. I want my bride. I want a people. I'm tired of being alone. My hour has come. God promised me he would give me an inheritance, a nation, a people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a chosen people, a people who at one time were not his people, but now will be, now will have a chance to be my people, a people who at one time had known nothing of my mercy, but now will have a chance to know something of my mercy, a people who will be gathered together to be able to declare the praises of my excellency. It was for the joy that was set before him. It was for the joy. What's that joy? You, his people. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame. He looked at the cross and said, cross, I know you're telling me you are despicable, but I look at you, cross, and I despise you. The cross looked at him and spoke shame. If you were to see what was customary all throughout the Greco-Roman era, crucifixion. You'd be walking through town, walking through malls, and you would see one cross after another lined up with one person after another on that cross carrying your Aldo bags and your J. Crew bags and whatever else bags, and you would have to come across death all around you, and it would have a message that would be sent. Don't you dare come against the Assyrians and the Persians who started it and the Romans who perfected it. Don't you dare Don't you dare commit treason. Otherwise, that will be you someday. And Jesus was numbered among the transgressors. He was numbered among them. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke the universe left into existence, the one who upholds us by the word of his mouth, the one who is the express image of the invisible God, the one who is the word from the beginning with the Father who became flesh, the one who presently gives us life and breath, that one was hanging on a cross despicably for you and for me so that he might not be alone and so that you might not have to experience what otherwise would have been your lot. We're here today, church, because of not just a suffering and a dying Savior, but a risen Savior. But if it dies, we close with this, it bears much fruit. (laughs) Jesus is fruitful. (laughs) All you got to do is look at all of his people all throughout the ages and all around this world right now as we speak, whether before or just after. God's people are worshiping everywhere. Why? Because of one man, this one God man who chose to hit the ground and be buried like a grain of wheat. That one act resulted in all of these souls all throughout the history of life and all throughout this globe who are worshiping him and living there. We're here today. We are his fruit. If you belong to Jesus today, you're part of that much fruit. And if you're part of this church today, that's what we're about because Jesus isn't done yet. He may have said it's finished on the cross, but his work continues 
Because it doesn't stop with me coming to him and trusting in him. Now that I belong to him, I want to take this life of mine and use it in such a way, or better yet, have him use it in such a way as to bring as many as I can into the kingdom. That's what life is about. Drag them or kindly bring them in. I don't care. But we want to see people meet Jesus. We want to see people know something of just Jesus. We want to see people discontent with their lives in their hands and far more content with their lives when they choose to put it in God's hands. And that's going to be this opportunity today. If I could use this Easter service at all, I would love. If God could be honored in any way, I believe the best way we could honor him is by me asking if there's anybody here who is not confident that their life is in God's hands, that if you were to drop today, you will be in God's heaven. This message is for you. There's no reason in the world at all for you to be in doubt as to your eternal state before God. None. When God has done all that he has done in order to ensure that you get to be with him and a part of what he's doing. You're here today by no accident at all. If you are in this building, but you are outside of Christ, according to what you would say, my friend, I want to commend Christ to you today. I do not want to see you leaving this place without Jesus. I want you to know him, not just know about him. I want you to know him. I want you to taste and see for yourself that God is good. Not because mom says so, not because dad says so, not because pastor says so, some Christians you work with say so, but because you know so. And God would never have gone to the lengths that he did in order for you to still be in doubt about whether or not Jesus is worth it. He's worth it. All these lives here today worshiping his name are testimonies to the fact that he's worth it. I could be anywhere else with my life. I could be doing anything else with my life. But when I look at Jesus, I can't see myself doing anything but living for him. And I believe I got hundreds of testimonies in this place. And I'm just asking right now, I'm pleading with you with everything within me, if you are outside of Christ, I want you to seize this opportunity, not for her, not for him, not for them, not for whoever, but for you and God to get right with to get right with God. This is going to be a benefit for you, not only for time, but also for eternity. Nothing, I'm telling you right now, nothing at all, career, fame, reputation, status, friends, relationships, nothing can come anywhere remotely close to the importance that I'm trying to place on you getting your life right with your maker today. Jesus died, friend. Jesus died. And he's risen today. And he's alive and well. And he's present by his spirit. And he's knocking at the door. And he's saying, look, if you'll let me in, I will have fellowship with you and you with me. And you will have a life that you will have the privilege of being able to get to know beyond your wildest dreams that you will never be able to know unless you first die. And that's what it is. If you want Christ today, this is what it's going to mean. This is what it's going to mean. I need you to listen. You've got to turn from that life that you've been about up till now that Jesus has no part to do with 
and you've got to close in with Christ. You've got to close in with Christ. You cannot have that in Christ. I'm afraid to say that. You cannot have your previous life that Jesus has no part to do with and Jesus. You've got to be prepared like the man who came across the field, saw the treasure on that field. What did he do? He left that place with joy in his heart, sold everything that he had in order to return so that he may purchase this field so that he may acquire that treasure. That treasure, friend, is Christ. Until and unless you discover that you have with Christ far more than whatever you got going on without him, you'll never see him as worthwhile. And Jesus is trying to show you right now if you would just be sensitive to his spirit. Don't allow any other competing voice to rob you of this opportunity. There are voices right now, I'm sure, as I'm preaching, competing for your attention. Don't do it. You'd be a fool. Everybody knows you. The other way, you're going to have a lot of explaining to do if you give your life to Jesus. You know what your friends are going to think. You know what your circle is going to say as soon as they get wind of this. You cannot continue. That's been your life. From this point onward, you cannot continue basing the decisions for your life on what you think other people are going to think about your choices. You've got to be your own man. You've got to be your own woman. You've got to be your own person. And God's with you right now. This is your time with God to close in with him and to say, look, I should have done this long time ago, but here's my chance because God is gracious. He didn't have to give it to me. I could have been any number of other places this morning, and yet I'm here. God must be up to something. This cannot be any accident. You're thinking right. Exactly. God in his providence has brought you here for such a time as this. And I'm saying this because I love you. Friend, close in with Christ. Close in with Christ. Don't fool yourself. You're not fooling anybody else. You're not a Christian by simply knowing a church to go to if you wake up early enough. You're not a Christian simply by having a Bible app in your phone. You're not a Christian because you got a praying grandmother. You're not a Christian because you have vibrant parents who love the Lord and are connected to the church and very active. What about you? You. This is between you and God, not you and who you're associated with. That's their relationship with God. My question is, and more importantly, God's question to you is, what about your relationship with God? It's not enough to be above the ground as a grain of wheat. Jesus said, we can't do anything. You'll be alone. In other words, your life will be what it is right now. Whatever you know your life has amounted to at this point, don't expect more. That's it. But what if I, I'm, I make 100,000 more? That's not life. What if I get a house in the suburbs? What if I get a white picket fence? What if I get the, That's not life. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Don't fool yourself into thinking I'll sit around Jesus and get my life right with God and start making it in this world's terms. You're fooling yourself. You're cheating yourself out on what life really is about. You're more than watches and jewelry and expensive purses and dresses and jobs and careers and stuff you attach to yourself. You are a child of God made in the image of God. 
You are made for more than stuff. And the only way you're going to know that is by first getting your relationship right with God. By first getting your relationship right with God. Don't settle for substitutes. Don't settle for cheap thrills. They all got an expiration date. But Jesus and your relationship with him, if you want it, will never have an expiration date. It'll begin now, but you'll have it with you for all eternity. But you've got to be prepared to drop whatever it is that you're presently holding on to that Jesus has nothing to do with. And you've got to be prepared to close in with Christ. This is that time. Jesus did everything that he possibly can in order to afford you the life that you can have. It's here. It's here. It's here. You're so close. But you've got to close in. You've got to close. It's a fight. Jacob wrestled. It took him to the breaking of the day. And if i got to stay here till late till this afternoon or even, I will. But you've got to. You, so what if you got to wrestle? Let's wrestle. I'm here. Some of the best things in life don't come that easily. It didn't for Jacob. If Jacob had stopped an hour into it, he would have never seen Israel. Israel would have never been birthed. He would have never seen his life become much fruit. He would have never seen what could have been because he stopped shy. And so if we got to wrestle, so what? If that's it, so what? Let's wrestle through whatever it is. Let's wrestle through her, him, that, whatever the addiction, whatever the substance is, whatever it is that's a poor, lousy substitute for a glorious Savior, for Jesus. Let's wrestle. Let's pray if we can, if we can stand. I'm going to give anyone and everyone a chance if you're someone here today and you would, you want to seize upon this opportunity you want prayer you would love to close in and make this opportunity meaningful you want Christ I want to use this front space as a place for you to come forward and I want you to know you're going to be received with love and I'm going to be here and others will be here to pray with you to encourage you to walk with you as we walk together to journey with Jesus and if that's you as soon as I get done praying, I want you to come forward and I want to use this opportunity to be able to be with you and to see Christ in your life beginning a whole new journey that perhaps you never thought could happen. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this holy moment, this glorious time because you are present. God, we ask that you would do work in each of our lives. God, we want to bear much fruit. We don't want to be that grain of wheat that remains above surface. We want to be below surface Christians. We may not see the fruit immediately. We may not change immediately. We don't even see that with actual plants. It takes a while. It takes patience on the part of the farmer to be able to see the harvest or the fruit from his crop that he's sown. In the same way, it's going to take patience on our part once we entrust our lives into your hands to be able to begin to see what you do with it, but you're worthy of it. And I pray we, we realize that however much time it's going to take, you deserve it. And so God, do a work right now. If there is someone here today, I pray that you impress your love and your grace and your mercy upon their hearts. Woo them to yourself, Lord Jesus. Cause them to awake and to arise to everything that you got in store for them, I pray. Thank you for this service. 
thank you for this occasion. We give you all the glory and all of God's people. Just shout it in amen and praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy to you, God. Thank you. Well, God bless you. Um, I'm going to just encourage you guys to meet and greet. If you want to take advantage of what was mentioned during announcements, we got um, a flyer up on the screen. If you just want to come up and take a screenshot of that, if that's something that works with your schedule, uh, it would be great to see you out there. In any case, God bless you. Please, meet and greet. Happy Easter. <laughs>